Hello. Hello. Hi, guys. Gimme the Creeps is back with another mysterious case. It's my turn this week, and I decided to do the case of Kendrick Johnson. Oh, yeah. Forgot you told me. Oh, you forgot? Good. Mm -hmm. That's (laughs) even better. So it's even more fun this time. Um, Well, not fun. This is actually a very serious case. Um, I started out the day in such a a good mood, and I was ready to have a very... Actually, I think I'm going to do that anyway. I want everybody to give yourself a pat on the back because... We are living life, doing our everyday routines, and we're not celebrating. Um, I'm not the kind of person to reward myself every time I do something I'm supposed to do, but it definitely feels nice to be able to celebrate small victories every day. So if you haven't reminded yourself that you're amazing, go ahead and do that right now. Or, you know, I'm telling you. And Daniela, you're amazing. Good job. Abby, you're so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I try. Look at you. I'm already making people cry and shit. You just started. Good Lord. Anyway, I just thought I would share that with everybody today. But unfortunately, we are car- uh, carrying out a pretty dark case today on this episode. Kendrick Johnson was only 17 whenever he was found dead. And his death is still a mystery today. Uh, I found a Reddit thing. So at the end, I'll bring that up. It's kind of playing devil's advocate. I don't like that in this case because it's such a sensitive topic, but it does bring up some good points. So I'll go over that at the very end, Um, not to discredit any emotions involved in this case, but just so that we can kind of have some clarity on some of the things that went on behind the scenes in terms of how the case was being conducted, etc. So Kendrick Johnson... I actually have a funny story, so I'm kind of glad that we paused before I got started. Um, I don't even think I texted you about this because I think I was saving it for this, but um, I was in a hurry. Long story short, Fawn was bleeding from her toenail after getting them trimmed the other day at the vet, and so I was trying to feed her in the bathroom so she wouldn't keep getting blood on the carpet because I was already going to have to clean whatever she uh, had tracked. And um, I was quickly Mm -hmm. opening a can of dog food. Usually, um. I I guess I spoil them or I'm bougie or something, but I usually warm up their wet food on a plate and then put it on their food bowls. But I was in a hurry, so I served hers cold in her bowl so that I could hurry up and get her in the bathroom. That was all the way in the living room, so I'm just hoping that my dogs don't start. Wonderful. (laughs) I know, right? Hunter had left to get me Chipotle too, so I wonder if he's back. Was quickly opening the can, and I usually have like a, a, a knife or a fork to scoop it out with. I used my finger, dude. And ran the first knuckle right up against the rim of the food can. I freaking cut into my finger like super deep with the tin can. And I hadn't even thought of tetanus until I was laying in bed. And I was like, can I, can anything happen to me with that? And I, I completely, it had slipped my mind. I hadn't even thought of tetanus and how I haven't had a vaccine in so long. And, uh. Yeah, so I had worked out that day, and also I already have nerve damage in those fingers because of my wrist surgery, and so those two symptoms I wouldn't be able to freaking tell. So I was just like, what if I have tetanus right now? I don't even know. Anyways, I was freaking myself out for nothing. I don't have tetanus. What freaked me out mostly was that that day I had left my Band-Aid off for a little bit while I played with Fawn, and there's like all kinds of stuff and mud on her ball that I was worried I got into my cut, and that would have given me tetanus. Oh, my God. 
Anyways, that was my little started a new panic. Virus. What if? It was in my... That sounds like something that would happen to you. The daily life of Abby. Whatever was out to get me to give me tetanus, uh, I got me again because I was washing dishes the next day and cut my middle finger first knuckle on steel wool while I was scrubbing. What the fuck, Abby? So now I have two band-aids on the same hand. It's not even mercury in retrograde right now. I know. It was bizarre. (laughs) So yeah, I have two band-aids on. Um, I just thought that was funny. Anyways, back to it. On January 10th, 2013, Kendrick Johnson went to retrieve his shoes from the gym. You see, he had just returned from winter break and would place his shoes in a gym mat instead of a locker. He placed them in or under the usual mat he used, which was at the front of the others. Well, while the kids were on break, someone had placed more mats in the gym rolled up in front of the one that his shoes were in. And so typically, I'm assuming maybe the mats are light enough to tip over and grab whatever's under them. Uh, but in this case, since the others were in front of that rolled mat, he just didn't want to move them uh, to get to it. So it was a normal day back at school. <clears throat> they look really heavy. They look like they're foam. And they, there's quite a bit rolled up. So whenever they usually put yeah. their shoes in those mats, I'm not sure how they get them usually. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would think that uh, they could just tip it up and then pull out the shoes that were on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. If the mats are vertical and rolled up, that's how I thought that they usually got the shoes back out of the rolled mats after putting them there. So uh, that's what I just, that's what I figured. So it was a normal day back at school until he saw that circumstances had changed when retrieving his shoes this time. Campus surveillance catches his entry into the gym from two cameras, but never catches him exiting. We're going to go over the surveillance later on. I found... um, a breakdown of all the cameras, and so we're going to talk about that. Uh, the following day, January 11th, students were sitting in the bleachers next to the gym mats and noticed a pair of socks down inside one of the mats. The next time he's seen on surveillance leaving the gym, Kendrick Johnson is covered by a sheet. Oh my god. I know. It's still just shocking. Could you imagine if you were a student and you guys are just chit-chatting and then you just see that like that? Mm-mm. Horrible. Nope. Kendrick Johnson, 17 years old, lived with his parents, Kenneth and Jacqueline Johnson, in Valdosta, Georgia. He attended Lounda's High School and played three sports, deciding that he wanted to be a pro in the NFL someday. The day he was found, the mat was unrolled. Um, or actually, no, this is where I messed up. Um, it turns out that they they unrolled the mat and kind of like touched his like position and stuff and so it kind of ruined the crime scene i'm not Mm -hmm. sure who it was but um nurses were called in and other school employees were in the gym i think whenever the police were uh, called but long story short whenever the mat was unrolled and his body was examined in the mat he had been upside down whenever the mat was vertical with one arm outstretched in front of him and his other was down around his waist Uh, His cause of death was determined like 24 hours after he was found. The cause was prescribed as positional asphyxia, and it was apparent that it was an accident and and the decision was made without even considering foul play. The family believed it was due to his race. 
There are a few details I'll mention now, and uh, we can marinate with them while uh, we're talking about this. So the first thing that I'm going to bring up is he had been upside down for almost an entire day and blood would have come out of his facial orifices. There was blood under the shoe that he appeared to be reaching for um, as if it was... Okay, so now we are recording. Uh, recording. You can record up to 30 minutes. So let's see. If you'd like to record longer, you can use any app on your computer and then upload the file. Interesting. We didn't find that out until just now. So this is going to be a short episode or two separate episodes put together. Um, Let's see. January 11th, 2013. Students are sitting in the bleachers next to the gym. The day he was found, the mat was unrolled um, and his body was examined while it was still in the mat. He had been upside down with one arm outstretched in front of him, his other arm down around his waist. His cause of death was determined 24 hours after he was found, and it was prescribed as positional asphyxia. It was apparent that it was an accident, and the decision was made without even considering foul play. The family believed it was due to his race. So there are a few details I'm going to mention, and we can marinate with them as the story goes. He had been upside down for almost an entire day, and blood would have come out of his facial orifices. There was blood under the shoe that he appeared to be reaching for, as if it was at the bottom of the mat on the ground whenever it was vertical and standing upright and he was upside down but the under the shoe there was a pool of blood although he was suspended above the shoe there was no blood on the shoe itself just underneath it um in a pool of blood there was not a drop on the shoe itself nor was there a drop of blood showing how it would have like come off of his face onto the mat onto the floor there was just blood under the shoe so to be fair i'm going to raise the question of how the mat was laid down and unrolled i'm assuming um so does that change the position of the shoe then in that case we don't really know how the shoe was really laying while he was upside down in the mat right so maybe the side of the shoe that was um laying on the blood is where the blood touched it first while he was in there. And so now it just looks like the shoe is on top of blood instead of covered in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then there would be blood all all over the shoe in that case because it would have moved around. So I don't really know. That's the trouble I'm having here is, is what position everything was in the second they found him. Second thing, the mat was six feet tall and the hole he would have to squeeze himself through to get in had a diameter of 14 inches. Kendrick was 5'10 and his shoulders were 19 inches across. He did have one hand reaching in front of him or downward while he was upside down. So maybe at that angle he managed to fit. But looking at the, looking at the actual size, it just seems um, impossible almost that he would have fit even at an angle. Mm-hmm. So basically, these details are what made his family believe his body was moved and possibly even posed or positioned for the story to make sense. Bottom line, the family believed there was a cover-up. Interesting thing is, is the Lowndes County coroner, Bill Watson, corroborated the theory that the body was moved. He agreed. Another thing about the body, Georgia state law dictates that the coroner be contacted immediately on the discovery of the body, but Watson was not informed until six hours later, according to him. Um, the sheriff of Lowndes County is Chris Prines. 
just for background information. And outraged by the speedy and casual handling of their son's case, the parents released a photo to the media of Kendrick's face post-autopsy in the funeral home. His face is extremely swollen and maybe even looked as if he was beaten in the face. However, it is important to add that the face is peeled forward during an autopsy, which may have contributed to his face appearing disfigured. Mm-hmm. He, he had been buried, but on May 8th, 2013, the judge granted his body be exhumed for the family to have a private pathologist carry out a second autopsy. It gets interesting. So the new autopsy revealed hemorrhaging on the right side of his neck, which means he likely died from blunt force trauma. The pathologist concluded this was not an accidental death, but that's not it. Upon opening the chest cavity, the organs were missing from his body and newspaper was put in their place. Oh, uh, what? Yeah, so um, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations claimed that the organs were put back in the body after the first autopsy, which means it was at the funeral home where they went missing and were replaced by the newspaper. But the coroner was like, no, the organs were in bad shape. We disposed of those. WTF. Is that like a thing that they do? Yes. So the funeral home backed him up saying that they received the body without the organs and it was common practice to use sawdust or newspaper in place of organs while embalming. Excuse. So they admit to putting the newspaper in the body, but they they do not know what happened to the organs after he was delivered because he arrived without them. Mm -hmm. So nobody is fessing up to why the organs were um disposed of other than the coroner so i guess it was in the coroner's hands uh whenever he said they were in bad shape so we disposed of them which mm-hmm. is like not i don't think that's allowed because they need to be studied in order to get a proper autopsy right um so for the second autopsy it was almost pointless and the family was upset to say the least that they tried to sue the funeral home for mishandling Kendrick's body but the case was dropped. The worst part was that without the organs a second autopsy could not be thoroughly performed and this increased the family's suspicion that there was some kind of cover up going on. Matthew Moore, the US attorney for the Middle District of Georgia announced a formal review of the case. The family hoped for a reopening of the case after a coroner's inquest, but they were denied. This was shocking due to the lack of confidence in the sheriff's department, as well as the formal description where the coroner stated upon autopsy that Johnson's body had been noticeably moved and there was no cooperation from law enforcement at the scene. The scene had been compromised as well. And there's more. CNN was given access to school surveillance footage, but found out quickly that it would be almost useless to them. The cameras facing the mats were unfocused and skipped around, and a whole hour of footage from the gym was missing. Mm -hmm. Right at the time, something would have happened to Kendrick. And we're going to break this down here in a minute because there was a really good article that broke down everything. Um, The timestamps reveal that the footage had been cut down somehow or edited. In 2014, the Johnsons filed a wrongful death suit against the school's officials alleging that Kendrick had been harassed by a white student, which went neglected by the school, once again, perhaps due to race. This is where it gets even deeper into conspiracy territory. It's already getting pretty ugly between people rallying behind the Johnsons, um, including the NAACP. Uh, everybody's supporting that something is going on and they need answers. And then there are people who, uh, and even whole departments denying that anything happened and an accident occurred and they should just accept it. The Johnsons had the NAACP support and the media paying attention. Uh, I even watched a few CNN interviews where the school officials turned down answering any questions having to do with Kendrick being murdered. So it was very hush hush. And then, 
Ebony.com described the murder of Kendrick to have been committed by two white brothers. And although they were unnamed in the article, Rick and Karen, um, (laughs) sorry, Karen Bell, I know I had to say it like that, but Karen Bell filed a libel suit against the publisher because their sons matched the description that was in the article. Their boys, Brandon and Brian Bell, according to this magazine, had a fight with Kendrick over a year prior to his death. The interesting thing here is that their dad is an FBI agent. So this would make covering up this whole thing a lot easier for them. The $5 million lawsuit that the Bells filed against Ebony.com's publisher and the suit also stated that Rosin, which is the publisher, used an anonymous email sent to Loudness County Sheriff's Office in January as the basis for the allegations. And I'll bring this up. There was an anonymous tip sent in to the school, basically telling it's like a third party, I think. So they either heard somebody talking about the confession or they just um, found out somehow. So it was like it was very sketchy. But anyway. I'll read that in a second. Um, in January is the basis for the allegations on in an April 9th Ebony article that the younger Bell brother killed Johnson out of a jealous rage after learning Johnson had sexual intercourse with his girlfriend. This, the sheriff's office said it did not regard the email as credible, and 13 days before the article was published, the originator of the anonymous email recanted her story. So it was just messy. In a March 27th interview with the Daily Times, the teenage girl said the email only contained rumors she thought might be true given the speculation in the media, especially Ebony.com and CNN regarding the circumstances of the Johnson case. So the anonymous tip that was sent in the form of an email was dated January 27th, Mm -hmm. uh, but they didn't use that till much later. So I'm really confused as to the timing of all of this, but basically the email was, uh, just saying the rumors that were going around and there was no real evidence behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much that was it. I don't need to read. There's nothing to say, to say about that. So now their sons had been harassed online following the posting of the article. So that was part of the reason why they um, filed a suit against that website for sharing that article. In 2015, the family filed a $100 million a $100 million civil lawsuit against 38 people. And by the family, I mean the Johnsons. This included the school, the local crime lab, state and federal officials, five GBI agents, and three students or classmates, and one FBI agent, and then more people that, you know, can equal 38 people. Johnson's father, however, admitted that he had no hard evidence to back up any of these claims, and the Johnsons had to drop the suit. What the fuck? They were sued for more... Yeah, they were sued for more than $850,000 in attorney fees and more than $1 million in defamation charges. They were ultimately ordered by a judge to pay close to $300,000 worth of lawyer's fees to those they had accused with no evidence. In June 2016, a Department of Justice... Um, the Department of Justice announced no charges would be filed with uh, insufficient evidence to support federal criminal charges. The Johnsons were not satisfied. In June 2018, KJ, as the family warmly called him, was exhumed again for a third autopsy. This time, the second autopsy's findings were confirmed. He had died by blunt force trauma, likely due to being struck in the neck with a 45-pound dumbbell. Oh, my God. And they held on to hope that the case would be reopened due to this confirmation as well as the surveillance footage clearly having been tampered with. But there have been no more updates since May of 2019 when another suit was filed against the funeral home. So it's very 
sad that they are desperate for answers and any way they try to go about it, they're getting denied and even owing money without any justice being served. Um, my theory is that those kids came in after he was already upside down and they removed the shoes that were already on his feet. Cause that's another thing is he was barefoot in socks with his shoes that he was wearing. I'm assuming, uh, behind his body. So like, it doesn't make any sense for him to have his shoes be off of his body, but still in the mat with him mm -hmm. on top of the shoes he's reaching for. So it's just sketchy to me, but, um, those were found behind him, invisible from the top. And then this is when he let go of the edge, when he reached behind him to stop them from what they were doing. And he slipped into deep. And then the rolled up mat, it was just too tight for him to back up and lift himself up. Mm -hmm. So the big thing for me here is that it may have seemed the Johnsons were grasping at straws a lot of the time. Nothing was ever going to replace their sweet son who had dreams and hopes, but they did not get the due diligence of the system. If the investigation would have been done properly, maybe the outcome would have not given them a different cause of death, but at least it would have given them answers that had more support behind them. So that was the case super trimmed down because I didn't know how long I was going to be able to say all my notes. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll ask you now what you think Happened. went on with. I think that those boys did have something to do with it. I think there was something I heard that, Maybe not the boys, but like I think it was a coach or a teacher or something. Oh. And um, but I don't know why they would do it. I don't remember what the what the motive for them motive. would be. Yeah. Or I mm. or the teacher or coaches were covering up for the boys or some shit. I don't I don't remember. But ah. I think the boys did something. I don't think that they like killed him and then put him in there. I honestly think mm -hmm. that he went he went to get his shoes, but they blocked him from getting out. And I think they were able to keep it to where he was blocked for so long that he died. And when they came back to check on him, he was dead. And then they freaked out. And then they went somebody, um, they went to somebody, and that's why their footage is cut out and shit. Right. So in other words, somebody messed with the body after the fact or no you're saying he was like that and they found him like that and then left him yes okay i see um yeah. but they were part of him dying yes in in either way whether it was accidental yeah. or on purpose yeah interesting when i first saw that picture of him i did not know that it, his face was peeled forward and mm -hmm. i saw like i heard podcasts and like documentaries and shit and they said that his face was peeled forward. And I was like, why would they do that? Like, I mean, I get that they wanted the shock factor, but like, why didn't you say that when you released the picture? Because yeah, exactly. with that picture, it really looks like he was beat the fuck up and something happened. But yes. So that's why I think he did die the way that he did. Nobody, I don't think he was like beaten to death. Exactly. So I'm going to read, with that being said, this is by the underscore chairman underscore meow. And this was written five years ago on Reddit. And it is called Kendrick Johnson's death is not an unresolved mystery. So it says about a year ago, uh, 
some other poster, made a post in this subreddit about the death of Kendrick Johnson. I wrote a reply and I still get PMs about it. In light of the recent resignations of two attorneys involved in the case, I thought I'd make a post in hopes that some of the myths and mistruths mistruths could perhaps put a rest to to it just just slightly. So um, it breaks down what happened. And then the timeline that he says is at about 1.30 p.m. on Thursday, January 10th, the school's video surveillance cameras captured Kendrick Johnson walking into the old gym. No one follows and no one else is, is walking into the gym for another three minutes after he entered. He was retrieving a pair of shoes and another student that he and another student shared in the mats. Kendrick shared the shoes. Yes, yes. Okay, yada, yada. On the morning of Friday, January 11th, Kendrick's mother, Jackie, went to the school to inform them that her son was missing. Administration assisted her by printing color missing person flyers. And at about 1030 that morning, a few female students were sitting. Oh, this is where I read it, I think. Sitting on a few sided mats, filling out a survey. They noticed socks sticking out of one of the upright mats. Thinking it was a joke, a student climbed the bleachers and looked inside and saw Kendrick's body. Mm -mm. Yeah, he tried to pull – see, this This is mentioning tampering, and I don't know where this poster got their information, but they do have some links down here. So if anybody wants to check it out, I'm just going to read it. Uh, he tried to pull them out uh, but was in, unable to, and a student called 911 using a cell phone. With the help of a teacher, the students knocked over the mat and partially pulled Kendrick out head first. See, that already, messed, that already messes up everything. But, I mean, <sighs> but they the didn't know – I'm sure they thought mm-hmm. he was still alive. Like, I don't think they thought yeah, he was dead yet. Yeah, I know. That's part of my issue with it, too, is, like, when they say don't touch whoever's injured or, you know, unresponsive, don't mm-hmm. touch them, it's very important, um, not only because of, like, neck injuries and stuff, but also for cases like this when they are already gone and the the crime scene was very important. Yeah. <laughs> so... They tried pulling him out head first, but the smell of decomposition and the presence of blood and vomit exhibited to them that Kendrick was dead. Oh, so shit. there's vomit mentioned here. That's something I hadn't read. Um, I need to know. I, I That's what I hate about these kinds of things is I'll look everywhere. Everywhere will say something slightly different or um, or not give me enough detail like this. Mm-hmm. So the teacher told the students to go to the new gym and the school went into lockdown and Jackie Johnson was informed that a body had been found. Kendrick had been dead in an inverted position for 21 hours. Lowndes mm-hmm. County began an immediate investigation. Every student in the gym, when Kendrick was found, was interviewed that day, and everyone's story lined up. A video was taken of the scene, um, and that's also uh, linked, and it's war- it has this warning graphic because he's dead, and it's very horrific. Two pairs of shoes were found in the mat with Kendrick. One pair of shoes were the ones he had been wearing, but they were off of his feet and on top of his body near his feet and legs. That doesn't make any sense to me. Another pair, uh, the pair he was retrieving, were on the floor underneath his body near his head. The only new blood found at the scene was inside the mat. No blood was found on the outside of the mat. No blood was found on the school book and yellow folder that he was carrying. And no blood was found on his lower lower extremities or on the shoes that he was wearing. But that's because he was head down. So there wouldn't be any blood. But if he has his hand in front of him, I would think that somehow... If blood came out of his nose or his eyes or his ears, one of those places that blood would have come out of would have hit something else besides just underneath the shoes. I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know either. It's just tough because we don't know what he was, what he looked like yeah. at the time he was found, really. Um, so some old blood was found on a column near the mats, but it was determined to not be from him. Bloody tissues were found in the trash can of the gym uh, in the girls' bathroom. And uh, it was suspicious and unusual, but Loundis County tested it and was found to be a female DNA. A girl reported to Loundis County that she was hit in the face with a flag during a practice and the bloody tissues were hers. So there was no blood found (laughs) on the second (laughs) pair of shoes. How embarrassing, right? The blood had dripped from Kendrick onto the floor, pulling around the shoes underneath him, which um, I think solidly points to Kendrick not bleeding before he went into the mat, only after, and Kendrick's socks were partially pulled off. So the day after Kendrick was found, dude, what if somebody was stealing the shoes off of his feet and then they noticed that he was dead and then just left him? I mean, that could be something too. They started taking his shoes off and then his sock came off with the shoes a little bit and then they noticed the person wasn't struggling and they just were like, But why would you not already assume that there's something wrong if there's feet sticking out? Fight or flight. They just just dipped out and they didn't even... Somebody knows something. They need to say it. That's all. That's all. But um, let me con- let me finish this. So the day after Kendrick was found, Reverend Floyd Rose of Valdosta Southern Christian Leadership Conference was approached by a Johnson family member and asked to run an independent investigation into Kendrick's death. He gladly agreed to help. And from there forward, the Valdosta SCLC worked with the family. The NAACP also got involved in their interim Secretary and member of the NAACP legal redress team, Lai Touchton, was chosen to lead their investigation. So there are essentially two investigations going on. One wanted to close the deal, said it was an accident, which happened to be the sheriff's department investigation. And then this investigation, which is the Johnson's private investigation that's going on. Mm -hmm. So. In April of 2013, during a public rally, several Johnson family members locked hands and blocked the entrance of the county courthouse. They were arrested for civil disobedience, and Reverend Rose put up his own home as collateral for Jackie Johnson's bond out of jail. In May of 2013, Reverend Rose allowed the Johnsons. Also, I have to point out that their attorney that they chose was um, Benjamin Crum, and he handled a lot lot of cases that are pretty uh, notoriously known for being... Uh, horrible, like the Michael Brown case, for instance, and the George Floyd situation. Mm -hmm. So that's who's backing these people up because of what happened to their son. So then now they're raising money and they're building up their their side. Uh, The family never set up the reward. Instead, local businessman Roy Taylor gave Reverend Rose a $10,000 check for a reward with a stipulation of a 90-day deadline. In June of 2013, the financial financial and administrative help of the NAACP and SCLC, the Johnson family arranged for the exhumation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is it telling me that there's something wrong here? Okay, here we go. Misleading information and outright lies from the Johnson family and their attorneys. This post is already way too long, but I really want to get out as much information as possible. The first claim I hope to dispel is that the Brandon and or Brian Bell murdered Kendrick and rolled his body up into the mat. Brian and Brandon are the sons of an FBI agent named Rick Bell, which adds fuel to the conspiracy fire. Kenneth Johnson, Kendrick's father, told the media that Kendrick had been in a fight on a school bus with Brian Bell shortly before he died. Though the fight did happen, it wasn't recent. It had happened over a year previous to Kendrick's death. Brian Bell and Kendrick who were friends for years, got into a scuffle while they were being bused to a football game. According to several friends and classmates, the two reconciled shortly after. They voluntarily worked on a science project together. At the time of Kendrick's death, surveillance video 
A teacher and all of Brian's classmates placed Brian in a classroom nowhere near Kendrick Johnson. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, Johnson's supporters called the football program at FSU, who in February 2015 pulled an offer of a football scholarship to Brian Bell. So he didn't get that scholarship because of their um, suspicions. Oh, shit. And I'm going to link this Reddit. There's way more stuff that's going against the Johnsons, but that's the last thing I want to do. Um for this episode because I just don't I don't see a point in pointing out all the all the wrong that they did when they really had no choice mm-hmm. in the matter with how quickly they went through the case and said it was an accident. I didn't think that was fair. So if anyone wants to check out, there's more on that Reddit and I will post the link to the subreddit thing on Instagram so that people can go take a look. Cause there are some interesting points brought up that can really I guess, make you stray from thinking that it was an accident versus, or that it wasn't an accident versus that it was. So just to kind of talk about that. But anyway, it's still a mystery today what really happened. And hopefully one day they're going to have the answers that they need. One day. Had to cut that short. Yep. So what do you think? I don't know. It's all... It's all fishy. I don't know. Yeah, when they got rid of those organs, I'm not sure what those organs would have been able to tell the coroner uh, upon second autopsy, but the fact that they just got rid of them and didn't tell anybody, that's kind of just weird to me. Unless it's, I mean, you said it was common practice, so I don't know. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, As far as the timestamps go, I'm going to just post a screenshot to the Instagram of what the Valdosta town article thing says about it, because apparently there's a reason for, I don't know if they just made it up or what, but I, I barely found that today that uh, thanks to this Reddit person that breaks down why the surveillance was choppy the way it was. And Mm. maybe that'll clear up some of our suspicions. But I still, it's just strange to me that it's not lining up. We can't see who's going in, who's coming out at certain times, which is very important if he's already in there. And now we are nearing the 30 minutes. Mm. Guys, we are trying to figure out a way to record this without the quality being really bad. Um, So bear with us. This was a short episode. The the next one might be short as well. But uh, we're just going to keep posting and trudge along so thank you guys for hanging in there i know daniela didn't get very many words in because i was really (laughs) trying to trying to get through this um this episode before the time ran out but uh yeah thank you so did we give you the creeps 